Hello and welcome to What the Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. We have Bree coming on the podcast to share her birth story. So thank you for being here and thank you for being willing to share your story. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Well, I cannot believe you are like a little bit over a week postpartum. So um, that's amazing that you are already taking the time to do this. And um, I know I just told you this before we started recording, but obviously this is going to be super fresh on your mind and everything. So um, it's just, it's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Brie, starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Yeah. So my husband and I, we, um, we have been together for 10 years. We got married uh, around our nine year anniversary, but that we're young. So we met when we were in junior high, we were both 14 years old. So we became junior high sweethearts, high school sweethearts, and then college sweethearts. And um, a little bit about our family, we have grown up in the same, we grew up in the same area, but in different states. We grew up in two towns that border each other in Idaho and Washington. So um, our family's local. We moved 30 minutes away for college. It's not very far in the scheme of things, but it felt like a whole new universe. We have two cats and now our beautiful little daughter, Anastasia. That's amazing. And what do you do for work? I work at the OBGYN office here in our, um, in our hometown. And, um, yeah, that's where I work. (laughs) (laughs) How was that like working there while being pregnant? Was it kind of weird or did you enjoy it? I know as a labor and delivery nurse and being pregnant, I loved it because I kind of like, you know, had everything I needed at my fingertips, um, which I kind of, it was a nice perk. Oh yes, absolutely. It definitely was there was moments where I felt like, oh my gosh, everybody's got their eyes on me because they did. At all times, everybody in the office, I work with three um three doctors, a nurse practitioner, a sonographer, and then various other people in the office who love and care for me. So I felt like I always had eyes on me, making sure that I was doing okay and I'm kind of an independent person in the sense, especially with my health, being in healthcare, you, I'm sure you can relate. You can be a little stubborn sometimes, or at least I can be stubborn where I don't want people thinking like, are you okay? Is everything good or babying me? Um, but I'm glad that I had them because there were, as we'll find out here soon, there were times where I really needed them to tell me like, that's not normal. That's not okay. You need to, uh, you need to take that and address it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It was nice. Cause, um, you did, you had a lot of people who were looking out for you who knew everything mm-hmm. that, you know, you could have ever questioned or needed to know about, um, which is definitely very nice. <laughs> it was almost like, uh, I, it was almost like working there. It's not that I thought I knew everything, but I thought, okay, everything's fine. I right. don't want to overreact about anything. I just kind of want to keep things you know, listen to my body. I know myself and, um, I'm really glad that I had the team I had during the times that I needed them. So that was great. So tell me about finding out you're pregnant. Were you guys trying? Was it kind of a surprise? So we 
found out we were pregnant relatively early. Um, let's see. We, I hear people trying to remember the last 10 months on their, on your podcast all the time. And now they're in that spot. And like, oh my gosh, I'm like, how do you summarize 10 months? <laughs> when I recorded my own birth story, I was like, oh my God, I ask women this. And yeah. I'm sitting here like, I don't know how to summarize 10 months of my life. Exactly. <laughs> so we, uh, we actually were on a uh, fast and furious path path with careers. My husband was accepted to law school and I was in the middle of applying to medical school when um, COVID happened, I was working at the hospital in the ICU as well as a, um, as a CNA. And so when that all happened, we, uh, we kind of took time to slow down and, and think to ourselves at that time, we weren't married, we were engaged. Um, and we just graduated from college. So we graduated spring of 2020, which is when everything really went down. And when we had that time to slow down, we um, had to make the choices of, do we want to continue in career the way that we're going, or do we want to start establishing our family life? Because, you know, everything takes time. And um, we, were wor- we were not necessarily worried because you can't worry until you try, but we didn't know when or how the journey would turn out with getting pregnant. So do we start that in our early 20s or our early 30s? Um, Long story short, which I'm really bad about making long story short, <laughs> so interrupt me at any time. We made the choice to go ahead and slow down a little bit. The internship that my husband was at offered him a fantastic position at the company that he was working for. And um, I actually had to slow down at the hospital a little bit because we're in rural area. So um, when I was, I became PRN and they were kind of utilizing us as needed because we were trying to save resources during that time in case things got bad around here. I mean, all the unknowns that everybody went through during that time. So with my job, I ended up having to leave the hospital. It just wasn't providing what I needed anymore. And I started at the OBGYN and, um, And then I was running into multiple obstacles, trying to continue applying to medical school and all the anxiety in the world. So I decided I'm going to take a break from that. I'm going to work at this OBGYN office and I've always wanted to work in OBGYN. So I thought this will show me, you know, this is either going to drive me towards going to medical school or it's going to show me that I want to slow down and um, enjoy this time of my life and make really good decisions before I make a choice on career. So we made our choice to, we got married. Um, We'd been together, like I said, for nine years and uh, we decided, well, let's just get married. So we planned our wedding in one month and used COVID as an excuse to not have the big ordeal with all of our family and friends. So we got uh, married with our just really close 20 family members and enjoyed every moment of that. It was beautiful. Then we um, went into our working jobs and I stopped taking birth control, getting back on track here, stopped taking birth control the month we got married. And I was willing to just start trying whenever my husband said, no, I really want us to have a spring baby. I really can't see you having a baby in our harsh winters. It would be awful for you. (laughs) And so he's like, I don't want you slipping. 
and (laughs) I don't want, um, I don't want you to be upset being trapped inside with a newborn. And so he was all strategic about it. He's very strategic in his planning. So we decided we'll start trying in July, but I uh, stopped birth control for three months to make sure I kind of got my body in rhythm. And then July came around and um, I have been diagnosed with PCOS. So we weren't really wanting to give our hopes up about getting pregnant right away. Even though after trying for the first month, I was like, why am I not pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I ended up not getting a period for August, but I was getting negative tests over and over and over again. So I was starting to lose hope that maybe my PCOS was starting to play a role in things and my peer, um, my cycles would be wonky and we might have to play this waiting game for a while. So we, um, we went... I took a pregnancy test again. It, I had been late on my period for two weeks. It was negative. We went to a concert. I had a really fun night with tequila. <laughs> I love tequila. And then the next week I still wasn't getting my period. And I was like, oh my gosh, I took a pregnancy test at work. Silly me. And it was positive. And I was like, oh my gosh, this, is, this can't be real. I actually like hit the walls with my hands. <laughs> and I was like you know, oh my gosh, this isn't real. This isn't real. And I put that pregnancy test in my pocket. I only took one and I just kept pulling it out of my pocket and looking at it like every, every minute. And I was like, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And so I thought about calling my husband at lunch and getting together, but I was patient. I'm well patient. I told him that night I (laughs) decided I will wait until tonight and tell him, I don't know why I took a test at work. Cause then I was, you know, not in the game at all. I actually went and told, this is super funny now that I'm looking back on it. The first person to find out I was pregnant was one of our doctors, Dr. Campbell. I went into his office and he's just very calculated. He doesn't really make things uncomfortable for me. I, he wasn't going to give me an over response. And I was just like, hi, Dr. Campbell. Um, I'm pregnant. I think I'm about five weeks. And the reason I'm telling you is because I'm wondering, I have to go, I'm taking my sister who's 16 to a water park this weekend and amusement park. Can I ride the rides? And he goes, whoa, congratulations. And yes, of course. And I said, also, can I keep this a secret at our clinic for quite some time? Um, I don't I don't want everybody knowing right away. I was just fearful of, of course, the things that everybody gets fearful of, miscarriage, not things not working out. And he looked at me and he laughed and he said, yeah, absolutely not. Like, there's no way we can keep this a secret by trying to book your appointments. and. Um, everything else like people will know but um, I went home told my husband that I was pregnant in the weirdest way I went grocery shopping at our co-op I picked out a bunch of random groceries he likes to cook none of them made into a meal at all I was just grabbing whatever I could in a onesie and I came home and I said I bought groceries for you to make dinner why don't you look in the bag? And he was like, okay, I will here in a minute. And I said, no, look now. And he was like, okay, why are you being so weird? And he looked in the bag and I said, I got you LaCroix. And he goes, okay, well, I I didn't ask for LaCroix, but thanks. And I'm like, we'll pick them up. And underneath that was the onesie and a positive test. And he was like, no way. Are you kidding me? And we couldn't believe it. I was pregnant after only a month of trying but my cycle was late. So I wasn't, um, I don't think I ovulated on time or the normal time. So we, um, we went about our day 
well, let's see, our evening. I don't think we made dinner. <laughs> we were just in awe trying to figure out what to do next. And um, and then I, I was able to keep it a secret at the clinic for just a little bit. Um, I told my manager and she helped me kind of work behind the, the scenes so that only the people that needed to know knew. So our sonographer, she found out shortly after because she did our first ultrasound. At that time, baby didn't have, um, at that time, we still couldn't get a heart tone. So there was, uh, there was just the little, let's see, I'm drawing a blank, pregnancy brain. I'm not pregnant anymore. Like the fetal pole. <laughs> yes, the fetal pole. So we had no fetal pole. We could see the yolk sac though. So we went back and measured two weeks later and things were going good. good. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I don't know what your question was to begin with. <laughs> you you covered it. You covered it. You're good. Okay. okay. So how was your pregnancy? How was your first trimester? And even, you know, the trimesters after that, did you have a smooth pregnancy? Did you love being pregnant? Or were you one of the people who were like, eh, I didn't really enjoy it. I, um, I loved being pregnant, but nobody okay. thought I did. I was very, <laughs> I was very scientific about it, like okay. very calculated. And, um, I made sure that I was doing everything or at least tried to make sure I was doing everything by the book. I didn't want pregnancy to debilitate me because right. a lot of, I see that in a lot of cases, people feel debilitated in pregnancy. So first trimester was honestly a breeze. I started, um, Unisom and B6 right off the bat to help with nausea. And I didn't get nauseous if I didn't miss that. I missed it once and that was a day of nausea and I vomited from the smell of butter, but I got right back on the regimen and didn't have any problems after that. So we, um, would you take that at night or in the morning? I took, um, 50 milligrams of B6 in the morning and night. And at night I took a half a tablet of, so 50 milligrams of Unisom as well. I tried that in the Unisom, even if I took it at night, the next morning, I felt like hungover. It, oh, I've really? always been that way though. Like about, you know, when I worked night shift as a nurse, I would take like melatonin or Unisom or um, yeah. even like Benadryl sometimes. And mm-hmm. it would leave me feeling like so hungover. So when I was pregnant, I tried the Unisom um, with the B6 and I just could not do that Unisom. But oh that's gosh, amazing yeah. that you were able to take it every day because it does work. It really, it, it would help so much with my nausea the next day. But I was like, would I rather feel nauseous or 10 times more tired than I already am so tired, you know? Right, right. No, it's it's a thing. You have to listen to your body and decide what's yeah. going to work for you because um, I usually am really, really sensitive to medication too. And so it, for some reason, worked for worked for me to control the nausea, nausea and um I, we live in the Northwest, so we have hunting, fishing, camping, and the first trimester, that's what we did. We were out fly fishing. We, I went hunting for the first time, which, um, was a lot of hiking, a lot of hiking. I couldn't believe sometimes that I was doing what I was doing is about 20, about up to 18 weeks pregnant, um, that I was, we were doing that and camping and I was just not feeling pregnant at all. Um, which was great. I mean, if I needed to feel pregnant, then I just wouldn't take the Unisom for a little bit later. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, (laughs) I'm, I'm a little nauseous. So things are still good, but I also had access to ultrasound whenever. So I never had to question, um, 
or I never felt the need to question, is my body doing what it's needing to do? And then second trimester, they say is just way easier. So I was like, bring it on because this is easy. And second trimester was, it felt like a dream. Oh, and every day. I love that second trimester. <laughs> yeah. Every day from the beginning, I was continuing working out and eating right and everything. So I, uh, I weight lift and run and I ran all the way through my pregnancy. Um, of course, I'll explain here in a bit when this part of the story comes up in third trimester, I had to take a break, but I ran actually my first two 5Ks while being pregnant, um, 5K races, one during Thanksgiving and one during uh, another holiday weekend. So I was feeling really great about that. It was she, well, I didn't know it was a she at the time. We didn't just, we didn't know what we were having, but I felt so motivated by my baby. Like I would talk to my baby while I'm running and say, we're doing great. Hang in there with me. If I started cramping or anything, um, I would say, okay, I understand. I hear you. And I'd slow down and take a, you know, walk. It just was a a lot of listening to my body um, and listening to baby, which I felt was communicating to me through my body and um, weightlifting. You know, people will tell you that you shouldn't, I got so much so much backlash on my activity throughout pregnancy. People told me slow down all the time. Um, I wasn't showing. So thankfully at the gym, I didn't get any backlash. (laughs) I could just go and do my thing. But uh, the people that knew that I was going to the gym, they were like, you shouldn't be doing that. And talking to them and telling them, you know, my doctor approved me to do what I'm doing. It's healthy for me. Um, everybody's got their own circumstances. So pretty much just leave me alone. (laughs) I'm happy. I'm healthy. This works for, works for us. And so then, um, let's see, second trimester. So everything's going great. Um, at 20, let's see, I think it was 28 ish weeks. I fell down our stairs one morning on the way to the gym. And so we have, it was like, we have like 14 stairs it's there's quite a bit. And so I fell down half of them and it was 5am. The reason I fell down was because I uh, saw a black shadow on the stairs. It's our black cat. And um, I saw it move and I was like, what is that? When it moved, I took a step and missed the first step and just fell down the rest. And then my husband said, it sounded like a horror movie. He said, it sounded like a complete, um, like whirlwind that you fell into the wall. And when he came around the corner yelling for me, um, he was like, Brianna, Brianna, are you okay? And I was perfectly cognitive, but I couldn't get words out. I was just sitting at the bottom of this. Well, I guess he said I was laying at the bottom of the stairs in a pile. And I felt like I was just sitting there evaluating myself on my end, but he didn't, you know, he couldn't see my face or anything. So he was frantic. This is the, he said, this is the most horrific feeling of his life. Um, he's never felt more helpless. He thought that I was unconscious and he's like my pregnant wife laying at the bottom of the stairs. I didn't know if you were okay. If the baby is okay. He was so, so scared. I've never seen him more scared in my life. And he's a very well put together, um, in emergent situations. He usually responds and he did respond appropriately, but he, I've never seen him like that. So he's grabbing me and looking me in the eyes and he goes, you're, you're awake. Like, why aren't you saying anything and I was like I'm just listening to myself like trying to evaluate am I okay is everything okay and so we called the hospital they said they wanted us to come in for an NST just as a standard practice 
we went in, we were monitored that day, everything was fine. Um, and then he, a funny side note, sorry, this is, this is good stuff. He was in a work meeting while we were at the hospital uh, working from home. He was able to do that that day. And I didn't know that. And I let out one of the worst pregnancy farts while he was in this meeting. And they were like, uh, what was that? <laughs> and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm with my wife at the hospital. I'm so sorry. And I could not stop laughing. And they, the nurses came in because the NST is looking all wonky. And I was like, sorry, I just am laughing. Because, <laughs> and I felt so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm laughing because I farted. <laughs> and they're like, okay. I'm like, well, my husband's in a meeting right now. And that's why it's so funny. And so that's a funny side note. But um, everything checked out great. The doctors I work for, they uh, overdid, or they do all my, they did all my prenatal care. So they follow at the hospital and they do your prenatal care um, if you are seen by them. So they came in, evaluated the situation, everything was good and sent me home just for a day of rest. I didn't go to work. And um, then I was back at it the next day. So everything was really smooth up until that point in time. Then, so at 30 weeks, I woke up very restless. And sometimes when I was restless, I would just lay there and think about my birth journey thus far and I'd kind of go over the questions that you guys that you ask in your interviews and I'd ask myself like what would you say like how would you say things are going and I just would evaluate my pregnancy and I felt like I was laying there going everything is perfect I'm so lucky I'm so blessed we got pregnant right away um, things have been easy my I'm healthy my baby's healthy and I got up went to the bathroom and I was bleeding like significantly. And so I was, I kind of went, oh my gosh, what the heck is this? So I woke up my husband. I said, um, get me my phone. I'm going to call the hospital and we need to go. And so I called them and I was having, there's two hospitals near us. And so um, one of them's like four minutes away from our house. The other one's 20 minutes away. I was delivering at the one that was 20 minutes away. And I called them and they said, no, we, we would feel better just after explaining to them the amount of blood that there was. They said, we'd feel better if you just went straight into the hospital closest to you, which there was nothing wrong with the hospital closest to me at all, um, at all, at all. It was just, I had a preference of delivering at the other one. Right. So we went into that hospital and um, they got me all evaluated. Well, the way that it works is you have to check in the emergency room and they were trying to triage me in emergency, but um, someone from the emergency room was like, I do not want a bleeding pregnant woman in my ER, get her over to birth place right now. And so they wheeled me into birth place, got me set up on an NST. And at this point, I hadn't been super frantic. I had prayed and cried on the way there that everything was okay, but I hadn't, I, you know, kind of like got myself together and just went full medical mode. I kind of kicked into practice mode um, of, of making sure like stay calm, you know, your body's not going to respond to the situation better if you freak out. So I was just staying calm. And when I finally heard the heartbeat on the NST, I felt much, much relief because I wasn't feeling movement. And um, then I was able to, you know, kind of relax a little bit. And I wasn't bleeding super heavily at that point. So they did a transvaginal ultrasound. And what they found um, was that 
my doctor said that he couldn't identify a spot on the ultrasound, but he was positive. I had a small abruption. That's right. And so, yeah. So he was like, I, I can't see it, which is there's, it's a good and bad thing. Right. The good thing is it's small enough. I can't identify it. Um, so we can heal from this. This should be okay. Um, I've had this situation, you know, I've seen this before and think people go to term, but the, um, the negative part of it is like, I don't know where it is or how bad it is. So he admitted me to the hospital for the weekend and until my bleeding slowed down and I felt, um, I had, I had no pain or anything. It was just simply there was bleeding that they could see. And so the bleeding slowed down, you know, that tissue is pretty fast working. So I think everything healed up really well. And, um, I went home. I'm assuming when they told you to lay off exercise. Yeah. (laughs) So at that point they said lay off exercise and, um, at least no more running. And then, uh, I went, I was on bed rest for only three days at that point before they let me back to work. And then that's when everybody at work was now like hover. My eyes are on you. <laughs> All it's like times. Ho- hover mom, like the hovering parents yeah. always being like, you good, you good, you good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, sit down, sit down. You're not allowed up. What are you doing? And, um, then the, we have three doctors and they all see you. If you come to our clinic, they all see you in prenatal care because they don't, they take rotation on call. Yeah. So, um, I was getting care from all three providers, which they all had their three different, um, ways of managing things. And that was fantastic. It works really well as a overall, like cumulative healthcare system. Cause you get three different people, three different practices. They cover all the bases. And so, um, I was at work. If I worked with a, one of our certain doctors, she is, she's been pregnant. She's our only female doctor. And she always was eyes on me. She said, what are you doing? You know, sit down. And then, um, she was, she was fun. She was really funny. She made me laugh a lot because she was like the helicopter mom for sure. But, uh, I went back to work. Everything was good. They, one of the providers, (laughs) This is where things are kind of tricky because they, I would hear different things from different providers. One of the providers said, you're okay to exercise, just take it easy. And so I did, I took that and ran with it, even though like my family would say, you know, don't do that. Don't listen. And I'm like, okay, well, did you get a medical degree? No, you didn't. And so I went back into the gym and did slow and steady workouts. It wasn't running anymore. Um, and that was great. It was, my body was fine. At 32 weeks, I was like, I was at work and I was um, walking around and I made a comment to one of my other coworkers. I was like, man, this baby must just be growing like weed and getting heavy because I feel like there's a bowling ball in my pelvis. Like this baby is feeling heavy. Things are going to fall out. That just must be a normal part of pregnancy is how I felt. I was feeling so much pressure and I thought that was just normal. So the, um, sonographer overheard me. She was in a room with the door shut. <laughs> this is how, how heavily people were monitoring me. She opens the door. What did you say? And I was like, Oh, I just said that at this point in pregnancy, um, I feel like the baby must be growing, getting big because it feels so heavy. Like my uterus is going to fall out. And she goes, uh, uh-uh. and she pulls our nurse practitioner aside as our nurse practitioner is walking down the hall and says, Bree, tell her what you said. 
And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm not telling her what I said. This is all good. I feel fine. This is normal. And she was like, Bree, just tell me what you're feeling. So I told her and she goes, okay, ultrasound now, like go in, let's see what's going on. And I had started to labor at that point. So now I'm in 32 weeks and looking back on it, talking with the providers, what we think happened is small abruption. Blood is an irritant to the uterus. So the uterus started working to get it out. Um, my cervix shortened a little bit while I was in the hospital, but it was safe enough for me to be discharged and home and monitored. And um, then being on my feet all day, just being active the way I was and my body uh, having gone through the event of um, an abruption just started to go into early labor. So in the ultrasound, they saw my cervix had shortened and they, my body was kind of starting to do early labor things. I was having cramps, which I thought was normal, but those are like small contractions. So um, they put, sent me home and put me on bed rest again. And at this time I was on bed rest for a month. And so I was pretty devastated by that. <laughs> and I was at first, I was upset with the provider, um, the nurse practitioner and the sonographer. I was like, you guys did this to me. You guys, you guys overreacted and now I'm on bed rest and looking back and I did call them and apologize and say, oh my gosh, you guys, you knew what I didn't know. I have never been pregnant. I was stubborn. I just didn't want to be put on bed rest. I didn't want the attention. So thank you so much because you really have saved us right now. We need yeah. to be where we are. We need to be on bed rest and we need to take this time to heal. Did they leave um, you on bed rest until the end of your pregnancy? Like until you went into labor? They left me on bed rest until 36 weeks. So we okay. are in a rural area and anything before 30. So let's see anything before 35 weeks, I'd have to be life lighted gotcha. out gotcha. to okay. deliver. And then even at 35 to 36 weeks, it's suspicious, you know, like we can deliver you, but there's a good chance you'll right. be flighted out. Right. And then 36 weeks, they can deliver safely, but, um, they're, you know, the risks of baby having to go to the NICU, which we don't have in this area right. are really high too. So they kept me on till 36 weeks and then at 36 weeks, they took me off, but they didn't let me back to work. Because you know how it is being on your feet all day oh, working yeah. in medicine. Um, it's an there's just no itself. time. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so my job, they said, was just a little too rigorous to mm -hmm. go back to um, take this time. I remember one of the doctors saying, just ride this out for two weeks. Just enjoy yeah. this and we'll yeah. induce you at, at 39. Because they wanted at 39 weeks, they were thinking, okay, everything's great. Um, let's just get the baby out now. So and, leading uh, in leading to like the end of your pregnancy up into birth, what were you kind of like, did you have birth preferences or I feel like medical people, it's like one, one way or the other, you're like, okay, I know all this. This is what I want. This is what I'm, you know, these are my preferences or my birth plan. Or were you kind of like also the other side of the medical field where you're like, you know, I know things can change at any moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go into it just open-minded and just kind of take it step by step. Yeah. I kind of was, so I was in the middle of that, um, okay. in the middle of those two. So I have, I had been in, I have seen several births at that point, not, you know, one, you know, I don't work in birthplace or anything, but, um, and I work in OBGYN, but I have shadowed multiple OBGYNs and labor and delivery. So I had seen enough to know things change often. And I knew that in my head. Um, but I did have 
some preferences, mostly regarding around the health of the newborn. So I wanted definitely that um, golden hours. <laughs> I wanted that baby on me for as long as we could. And um, I wanted to decide pain management during delivery. Um, I definitely leaned on the side of, I want a natural unmedicated birth, but I was trying not to push that in people's faces because a lot of people will laugh at you when you say that and tell you like, good luck. And so I just told my husband, I'm like, that's between you and I and God, like, this is what I want. We're going to pray for it. I hope it happens, but stop telling people. Cause I'm tired of hearing from people. Good luck. Right. That's not possible. Blah, blah, right. blah. All that negativity is going to get in my head. Um, and then I, we had our preferences on like vaccinations and shots yeah. that, um, delayed cord clamping and doing weight after skin to skin. So there was just some things revolved around baby's health, but I was completely open, especially at that point right. when I got put on bed rest to anything now. Like I even called the NICU and labor delivery unit in the um, area where I'd be shipped to and kind of asked them about their policies and got a little familiar with their hospital because I knew at this point, everything is kind of like a ticking time bomb. If right. something goes wrong, they're sending me. Right. They're not going to keep me here. And so did, um, did you go into labor on your own or did you end up being induced at 39 weeks? That was where it got so tricky down to the very end. I did. I really did not want to be induced. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I just felt something in my gut, something in my heart about let this happen. Your body tried to go into labor already. So see what happens. And the, um, the team that I had was so supportive of, of doing what I needed to do that was healthy. So I should mention when I got put on bed rest, then at the same time I got put on monitoring. So two, uh, two NSPs a week and a BPP, a biophysical profile of baby, um, for people who don't know what that includes, that it includes monitoring babies, um, movements. And so they'll do like muscle movement, breathing, um, they'll measure my AFI, which is the fluid inside of my uterus. Um, and then, uh, let's see what else is in a BPP, uh, does NST. include like cord blood flow, I think. Yes. Cord okay. Doppler. Yes. Yep. So then they would measure the, and then it scores, um, you know, eight out of eight or, well, that's what, a perfect score is eight out of eight. Yes. So each category, there's four categories. There were two points. You can, you pass or fail them. You don't get one or, you know, one point in any of them, you get two or none. And at that point, so from 32 weeks to on, because I had that every week throughout the rest of pregnancy, um, baby measured great. There was only one time where the baby failed breathing movements, but that's very typical. Like babies are so sporadic with their breathing inside the womb and our baby had hiccups that, that, that day. So um, she just measured it or said that we didn't pass it. And and then, of course, that day, my NST, I was always on the line on NSTs. So in NST, you have to have accelerations, and they call them 15 by 15. So 15 beats per minute accelerated um, from the baseline heart rate and lasting 15 seconds, right? Yeah. Is that kind of what a 15 by 15 is? And they, um, my, and you have to achieve that within... 20 to 40 minutes and my baby would never achieve you're supposed to achieve two to three 
our baby, my body <laughs> would never achieve that until like 38 minutes. So mm-hmm. our strips never looked beautiful. They were always on the verge. And um, the doctor, the day that I failed the breathing portion, I also had a really crappy strip. And so she made me come back for second NST. That was the only time that I ever didn't pass any of the exams. Um, so otherwise everything did really well. We did really well. Okay. And so were you able to avoid the induction? Well, yes, I okay. was, um, but it was hard headed on my end. So everybody around me is looking at me like this time bomb, my family, my husband. Um, I didn't feel so much the pressure by the doctors. The doctors were saying everything's checking out. Okay. But if something doesn't check out, okay, like that's kind of our, our recommendation at that point is to get baby out. Like you've done really well by keeping baby in this far. Um, and so everybody put this pressure on me. I felt like to have the induction at 39 weeks and I was on board with it until 39 weeks. Then I like backed out real fast and I said, I can't do it. I just can't do it this weekend. And, uh, or this, I can't do it at 39 weeks. I'll do it this weekend instead. Cause 39 weeks is on a Wednesday. And so I said, if I haven't gone into labor by Friday, then I will, um, I will do the induction. And I, I had started in the third trimester, red raspberry leaf tea. So I had drank a cup a day until I got put on bed rest and I stopped. And when I got taken off bed rest, I took, I got right back on board, red raspberry leaf tea, which wasn't my favorite. So I never really got um, super into that, like maybe a cup a day, but dates, I was eating my dates religiously. Uh, I found that dates were really, really great with um, Nutella. And so I froze them um, with Nutella and peanut butter. I made shakes. Sometimes I just ate them to eat them. And (laughs) then uh, what else did I do? I walked. So once I got off of bed rest, they told me I could start exercise again, but like walking is it. And so I was extremely thankful to get up out of bed get moving again because the hardest part for me being on bed rest was this mental game that I was playing of being inactive and in bed I could not stand it I had been so active going to the gym running lifting and um, being happy and healthy and then being put on bed rest I had to just completely change my perspective and think about it in a new way of healing like my body's doing what it needs to do here in bed Um, And I'm not failing just because I'm laying here in bed. I am just doing things different to get my body where it needs to go. And uh, that was really hard to overcome. I wouldn't ever say that I really overcame it. I just tried my best to overcome being on bed rest every day. It was very boring, but I had great, I had the most amazing care. My husband was able to stay home and take care of me during that time. He worked from home. So now he was working from home full-time. I have to give him this huge shout out, working from home full-time, um, eight hour days, cooking all of our meals, like serving me hand and foot. I felt like the queen of Sheba <laughs> and, uh, you know, cleaning the house, taking care of our animals and our two cats, you know, we don't have like a barn or anything, but, um, he was incredible during that time. I would not have done it without him, especially all the emotional support he gave me because there was a lot of emotions during that time. Yeah. So I, squirrel, back to going into labor 
Friday came along. I said I'd be induced that day and I backed out again. <laughs> I told my husband, I was like, I can't, I feel like my body's on the verge. I had been having Braxton Hicks, um, what I thought were just Braxton Hicks all week long. I felt like my body was getting ready to do this and I wanted to just wait it out. So I said, I will be in, I will be induced Sunday. This is my final call. Um, the safest, one of the safest times to deliver according to a study, I think it's called Alive or Arrive, a study that was done on, um, I don't know, I think it was 2016. They found that um, it is safe, really safe to deliver between 39 weeks and 40 um, or 39 to 41 weeks is kind of one of the safest times to deliver. So anyways, we won't get into that. There's a lot that goes into all the stuff that <laughs> we could talk hours on. But um, I decided, okay, since I've had such a rocky last couple months, then I will be induced on, on Sunday. But I called my clinic and I said, can I just come in for a membrane sweep today? This was a Friday. And be checked. And the doctor squeezed me in. That was kind of part of those... Uh, perks that you're talking about being yep. in the medical field. They squeezed me in, had me um, come on in and he checked me and he was, he was like, oh my gosh, Brie, I, your bags are bulging. You're three and a half centimeters dilated, hundred percent of face. Like there's no way you're not having a baby within the next 48 hours. So I took that and I was like, yes, like, this is great. Let's do it. And um, left and went on a walk and, you know, like told my husband, if I, I've worked so hard to get here, I need your help now. Like you need to help me have this baby. So we're going to get some induction love going on and all sorts of things. Like I'm having this baby naturally. This is what I want so bad. And I feel like it's what's best. And so then, um, Saturday I had that membrane sweep contracted Friday. Um, things were starting to pick up into a pattern. We were just having the time of our life, just going on any random date that we wanted to over the, over the course of those couple days and enjoying things, enjoying life together as these weird kind of predicting that, um, baby would be here any day. So we need to just soak up all the, all the time we have to do whatever we want when we want. So we went, um, to the winery and I had like a little two ounce taster of wine and we went to a coffee shop and had brunch one morning we went to the ice cream shop we were just doing anything and everything and I was contracting and my contractions would pick up and have a pattern and slow down uh and actually I would tell people like I don't know if I'm contracting but I'm having cramps and they're like oh well you'll know if you're having a contraction you'll know and I was like okay so on Saturday, I, we went to, he, we live in a college town. Um, we graduated from the university of Idaho. His for, we were both in Greek life. His fraternity had a event um, that we went to an alumni event. And right as we were walking out the door, I was like, oh my gosh, I think my water just broke. And he was like, are you serious? Wait, so, so was this on, what day did you get your membrane sweep again? Friday, Friday, okay. Saturday. And this is yep, the next Saturday. day. Yep. The next okay. day, Saturday around 3 PM. And I was like, okay, everybody, you know, stay calm. <laughs> everybody stay calm. Kind of like that. 
that meme from the office like everybody stay gone <laughs> and we went home and I was like well just gonna wait it out here for a little bit make sure it's my water because a lot of times people's water breaks and it's not and especially um, if you were they, ma- making some induction love <laughs> the, yeah, day, also- the day the morning before or night before that can that can look like your water coming out the next day but it's not right and then, uh, and I also, at this point, I'd also been running again too. I ran a mile. Um, and it's so funny. I sh- I'm sure I just looked like a little waddler out there waddling around 39 sure. and a half weeks pregnant. But, uh, so we were doing everything and anything, um, thought my water broke and I called the hospital and said, long story short, we did some, we just did some, um, laying down, making sure, is this my water or not? And I took a shower. Everything was calm. We weren't rushing to the hospital. And uh, at four o'clock, we decided, okay, I'm pretty sure my water is broke. Because at that point, I had laid down, stood up, taken a shower, realized that uh, water was or clear liquid was trickling out to some degree. What is it? I don't know. And went to the hospital. um, And they were like, they did the swab to see if my water had broke and checked me and I was five centimeters dilated at this point and the swab came back negative. And so the nurse that I was, were, she had been with me through NSTs and I'd wanted her there for my labor so bad. She's amazing. Uh, her name is Ashley and Ashley was telling me, she's like, okay, so how do you, you know, what are your preferences? What do you want? Do you want a natural labor? Um, do you want no epidural like what are you wanting and I told her yes I do want a natural you know I don't want to be induced natural delivery no pain meds and she goes well I'd say just go home you plan on having your water broke tomorrow because at this point the doctor said if I have to be induced I don't need Pitocin we'll just break my water so she said come in tomorrow you can have your water broke um and we'll go from there and she worked that day too and she's like so you better wait for me (laughs) and I was like yes okay that sounds great and my husband he wanted to stay so bad he was so scared of me abrupting again um and he was like are you sure you want to go home like aren't we here to have a baby let's just have your water broke tonight and I was like no I really want to go home and sleep eight ten hours like I do um I hadn't had any trouble sleeping in pregnancy at this point so I was very thankful for that he was like, okay, well, I just feel like we're in a controlled environment here and it's safe. And so taking you home is a little scary for me. And I was like, yeah, I understand, but trust me, please just trust me on this. So we went home. Um, I actually dropped him off at the house to play video games and took a little break. We took a little break from each other just because we'd been with each other all day. I went to Target and Marshall's and just walked around. Um, and I, uh, had no specifics in mind just wanted to get out of the house and distract myself I bought this cute little cookie jar from my mom that said grandma's cookies because she always mm-hmm. says I'm gonna give that baby so many cookies because all you give it is dates <laughs> and uh, then I came home we laid down to watch a movie about nine o'clock and my cramping started enhancing and I was like I think these are contractions they're enhancing it's a little bit more painful um, well, I guess not painful because nothing was ever painful at any point in time. I, I just started to get more uncomfortable, like uh, a really bad period is coming is how I felt. And so um, about nine o'clock, I, and so at four o'clock, I was checked at the hospital 
five centimeters. They, I went home nine o'clock, all that cramping started to increase and it was becoming a little bit more patterned. And so I, I said, I'm going to bed. I, and now I'm like wanting to stop labor this whole time. I'm like, I want labor to be natural and I want it to happen and I don't want to be induced. And now it felt like it was picking up. And I was like, actually, I want nine hours of sleep. So this needs to stop right here, right now. And I went upstairs, went to bed to try and ignore what was happening. If anything was happening, figured if I fell asleep, it would all just slow down. Cause that seemed to be how it was going. If I got a little less active, things would slow down. I laid down and then my husband came and laid in bed with me and he started timing every time that I was uncomfortable and I would be breathing through things, but never in pain, just more like closing my eyes, taking big deep breaths as things came and went. Nothing lasted for more than 30 seconds. Nothing lasted. Um, nothing put me into screaming terror. But then I got up, went to the bathroom during one of my contractions and I was bleeding again. So we were like, oh, crap, here we go. Because the biggest fear at this point was having another abruption. So I called the hospital and I said, I am bleeding. I gave them the lay down, low down. They already knew who I was. I'd been in so many times for monitoring and uh, work in the field and worked at that hospital before. So I just knew a lot of people had a pretty big community. So they, they said, come on in. They called my doctor or the doctor on call and, um, got in the car and I just kind of like was frozen. I just wanted to freeze time at that point. I just wanted nothing to continue. I wanted no more contractions. Um, I was trying really hard to ignore everything my body was doing and pretend that I was just normal day, normal drive. Uh, at this point it was 10 o'clock at night or 10 45, um, because I didn't want the bleeding to increase and not be in a safe place for it to be addressed. So I got to the hospital, walked into the labor and delivery unit. They said, go ahead and get in the room. Um, we don't have triage at our hospital. Like when you're in labor, you just go to birthplace and they put you in a room and they get things going. And they kind of triage you. Um, the nurse came in, she said, well, let's take a look. So the bleeding had slowed down. Um, and I made it to the hospital that I wanted to be at. I felt like they just had a really great, strong team with emergency response. So I wanted to be there and I used to work there. So I felt comfortable there. And um, they checked me and she goes, okay, I think you're just having some cervical change. And that's what the blood came from. You're eight centimeters dilated. And she pulled out her hand and out followed this like this gush of blood and clots and she looked at her hand as it was pouring into her hand and she was like uh I'll be right back I'm gonna go call the doctor and she like ran out of the room the other nurse was like oh my gosh congratulations you're doing so good you're eight centimeters dilated and you're cool as a cucumber you walked in here like most people walk in here at two centimeters dilated and I was like yeah thank you I appreciate that you're saying all these things but um this bleeding that worries me and she goes cool as a cucumber just stay calm everything will be all right and no shorter than like 10 minutes later the doctor came in he evaluated me he said your waters still aren't broke so I'm gonna break your water now and I said okay and at this point I'm just going with things like I I didn't ask for the epidural I wasn't at I wasn't in pain 
uh, I don't know if it was adrenaline from fear because of the blood. Um, but I just was, I just felt like I was floating on a cloud. There wasn't hardly any, it didn't feel like, is like, is this labor? My doctor is looking at me and he goes, did you feel that contraction? And I said, no. And he's like, okay. So you broke my water and, um, and my husband had been coordinating with my mom who lives 45 minutes away to get here and get here now. And she had her phone on do not disturb. So we had to call my grandma who lives next door. And my grandma went, I guess, banging on the walls of the house, like a banshee and was like, get up, get up. Brianna's bleeding. You gotta go. You gotta go. And so my mom was driving like a bat out of hell to get to us. And, um, the doctor, after he broke my water, one of, I remember one of the nurses looking at me and saying like, this is about to get really intense. Like this is going to increase a lot. The pain will, um, and she's like, I just want you to be prepared. And I'm just looking at her. I'm like, okay, shaking my head, like not really having an idea of what's going on, but just being again, scared that I was bleeding. And, um, then the doctor, before I knew it said, all right, Brie, are you feeling pushy? And I was like, uh, not really, but are you feeling catchy? Cause <laughs> I guess we're doing this. And he goes, uh, so he grabs some gloves and my husband asked, can I catch can I catch the baby? That was part of something we had talked about. And, um, and we still didn't know what you're having at this point. So he wanted to announce to me what we're having. And the doctor was like, yeah, sure. So gave him some gloves. Um, he, the doctor looked at me and said, all right, here's my push talk and gave me the push talk. At this point I was on my back. Nothing was going the way I imagined labor would be going. Cause it was going fast and furious. Like, yeah. I was imagining the whole pregnancy. I was imagining I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to be on a ball. I'm going to, everything's going to, um, it's got its place and I'm going to, you know, nothing was going according to plan as, as happens. But the biggest plan was that I had a natural unmedicated delivery that was not induced by Pitocin and that was happening. So that was great. And I wasn't in pain. Like I really was just cramping. And so he gave me the push talk, looked at me and said, all right, with this contraction, go ahead and let's do what, let's start pushing. And I was on my back, which I also didn't imagine. Um, so I said, okay. And he goes, well, are you going to push? And I was like, what? And he goes, you're having a contraction. And I was like, oh, well, I don't feel it. And he goes, oh, okay, well, we'll try the next one. So I, uh, I did feel the next one. It's like my mind maybe just kicked into gear at that right. point. I almost feel like you were like somewhere else. I was, I like, feel like I was completely out of there. Yeah. I felt like I maybe was watching it from out of body. Like it's like you were like experience. accidentally doing hypnobirthing. <laughs> That's like what yeah. I'm almost like imagining. I think I was, I think you're exactly right. There was, um, there was just. I was not present with my body, but that was kind of good because I wasn't feeling anything and I had no epidurals. That's even better. Um, but by the time I kind of kicked in, realized what we're doing, felt that first contraction and pushed, I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I can feel it now. And, um, and then I, after the first push, I go, okay, so did I make any progress? <laughs> and the doctor's like, you're first time mom, you're, you know, you're, just pushing for the first time. This is your first push. 
give it some time. And I said, well, I just want to make sure I'm in the right position. Cause I imagine like I would never push on my back. That just didn't feel yeah. like it was comfortable. I thought I'd be kind of squatting or something. And, um, then I gave it that second, third, fourth push. And on that fourth push, my mom came in the room. Um, she had just made it. The doctor said, all right, we're on our final push. It's time. Like you're going to get baby out with this one or the next. And so my husband's standing there waiting to catch our baby. And uh, I gave it that final push. Everybody was telling me, this is the only time I got emotional, like cranky during, during delivery was everybody's telling me how good I was doing. Like, you're doing so good. This is amazing. This is incredible. And I grabbed both handles of the bed and I said, okay, I get it. I'm doing great. Thank you. Stop. Please just stop telling me how good I'm doing. <laughs> and I didn't want that cheering anymore. So that was kind of funny. I gave it that final push and my husband pulled out our beautiful little baby girl. Uh, he was supposed to tell me what our baby was because we didn't know. And he was lost for words. And this and is all also still on Saturday. So this is all still the day after your membrane sweep. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So Saturday now at this point, she's born at 1143 PM. So I oh, just barely. <laughs> yeah, just barely. I uh, had gone in for that check around 4 p.m. and left right. at 6 p.m. at five centimeters and had her at 11:43. Gotcha. So he um, he was a little stunned at the whole at how much fluid came out onto him when he caught her. <laughs> and he goes, he put her on my chest, and uh, her umbilical cord is a little short, so they moved her down on my belly. And he goes, okay, well, I'm gonna go wash my hands. <laughs> so <laughs> I was patiently patiently waiting. Um, for him to tell me what we had and he goes to wash his hands and comes back and now he's just standing over me and he's not saying a word and I'm looking at him and I'm like it feels like it's been an eternity I'm like babe what do we have what what is our baby and he goes it's, it's a little girl and I was like my baby girl oh my gosh Aww. my baby girl and um then we you know I pulled her up onto me after they clamped her cord and he cut the cord I pulled her up onto my chest and I just was and love, which I was really scared of having an, if I would have an emotional connection at all, because my pregnancy, I felt so medically driven. Yeah. I never had that like emotional, um, huge emotional response throughout pregnancy. Right. I was just kind of going through the daily motion and instantly like there was something lit inside of me, the emotions kicked in. I was the happiest I've ever been in my whole life. I was so proud. I was so exhilarated. I could not believe that I walked into the hospital at eight centimeters and pushed a baby out in 15 minutes. I could not believe that. <laughs> it was an hour total of labor being there. She was born at 1143. We were there at like 1045, um, but pushed for 15 minutes and there she was. And I think my body knew I need to get her out because I delivered the placenta and the doctor um, evaluated it. And he said, yeah, I think you had another abruption. And he yeah. said, if it makes you feel any better, I'm super happy we didn't do a Pitocin induction because Pitocin can enhance things so much. Right. Um, and so I feel like it was just, you know, fate um, and God just working on my side and my body and all the divine interventions and stars aligning that kept me from being induced with Pitocin um, and kept me from enhancing it with any induction process at all but going into it natural turned out perfect for our situation now it's not always that way and I don't think that you should you know I don't think I would have ignored medical advice if I felt it was unsafe or if my doctor told me it was unsafe 
but we were in complete safe situation to do what we did. And the moment that it turned not safe, you know, we made sure that we had a plan and that things were taken care of. Um, so that was good. Yeah. Such a beautiful, you know, birth story. Um, it's just so crazy that you like, you know, we're in active labor from the time you left the hospital to the time you came back. It's almost like you just didn't know it. And I, and I do think, you know, a lot of women have like that denial, which is probably what you were doing. Like you probably were having contractions, but you're like, you know, I think when you, you always tell yourself like, well, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. So like, I just have to ignore this because it's going to get 10 times this. And that's even when I was in transition, I was like, well, I only can be a few centimeters because it hasn't been long and this is going to get so much worse. So when you mentally keep telling yourself that you're like, oh crap, like it, it, I was in active labor the entire time. And yeah, but you know, it's, it's kind of a good thing in a way that we have that like denial. Um, Uh that, that is an amazing story. And obviously you're about 10 days postpartum. So how, how has postpartum been? How has, um, obviously having a new baby and healing and everything like that been? Well, you've kind of said it best when it comes to labor in general. Um, I can make comparisons to that time throughout. So what I'm saying is mental, it's all mental game. So pregnancy, labor and delivery, postpartum, it for me feels like a huge mental game. And during that time of delivery, I had to play that mental game and be strong and kind of be in denial of certain things and accept other things. And um, just be aware of my situation. Postpartum feels the same way. I have to really, and I'm only 10 days into it, like you said. So there's a lot that I'm learning, but one thing's for sure is that I am playing a mind game every day and I'm either choosing to be negative or to be positive about certain aspects of things and breastfeeding of course is its own journey in itself and we are exclusively breastfeeding right now so just learning about her outside of the womb and learning about myself and my limitations and um bonding as a family it I have a mantra during this time which is minute by minute (laughs) and just kind of taking it like that because things can change in an instant right before this um our baby has been binge eating (laughs) I call her this typical little American she just binge eats binge eat binge eats Anastasia does and then she'll just throw up and I'm like oh my gosh where what are you doing like what's (laughs) going on and so right before this I was cleaning up uh vomit from the kid all over the kitchen floor all over my pants and the first time that happened because this started happening four days ago I was hysterical I was like oh my gosh what am I doing wrong and now I'm trying to manage it a little bit better we were able to control it last night she didn't do it but this morning she did it and it so it's just a learning experience and just kind of like I said taking it minute by minute um going through the motions and being gracious with yourself (laughs) it's just a huge learning curve. I mean, it's like you said, like, you know, minute by minute is great. I usually would tell myself like, you know, day by day, like you can get through this, but minute by minute is even better because there are definitely, you know, um, 
minutes even in that postpartum period where you're like, oh my God, this is never going to end. But you have to Mm -hmm. reframe that and just know that everything is a season. You know, this, you're going to blink. I'm telling you right now, as somebody who has a seven month old, you're going to blink and you're going to be like, oh my God, like, where did the time go? It is just, it is insane. And people tell you that. And I remember in the thick of postpartum, I was like, good. I want to blink and have this be over. Like, this is not (laughs) fun right now. Cause I had a really difficult newborn, but Um, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, it really was not that bad. But when you're in the thick of it, it feels that way. It can feel mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, there's just so much. It's just such a learning curve. It feels like overwhelming is a great word for it, but you're right. Mm-hmm. It's totally mental because you can either feel overwhelmed or you can just break it down, take it nice and slow, tackle one thing mm-hmm. at a time. And, you know, uh, just, you know, know that you have to get through it. It really, it really is such a mental thing. It is. And that's the same with, um, that's the same with the whole journey, I think, getting pregnant and um, that whole journey of, of being pregnant and then delivery and postpartum, everything is is just a huge journey that you have to go along with and play the mental game and having a support person is huge during that. So I, I know you'll ask, you know, what's my biggest piece of advice? And I think just right there, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's my biggest piece of advice is you can know yourself so well, but having community around you and having a support person, whether that be your spouse or whatever situation you're in, just someone to kind of ground you and bring you back down to earth and remind you of these things is one of the most valuable pieces of, of this whole journey, because it's easy to get lost in your mind. And, and it's fair to get lost in your mind. It's a huge transition. And it's a, a big, it's a big scary commitment and jump scary is not the right word I don't want people to feel scared of having babies it's just a lot it's a a lot of change and you know what on top Mm -hmm. of that you have physical sleep deprivation you have hormonal changes so Mm -hmm. I I love that that you know a good support person is is really important and yeah and community because if it weren't for the community that I had with um, friends family church and at the clinic that I worked at then I wouldn't have gotten through any of this at all takes a village they say it does (laughs) well Bree, thank you so much for um coming on the podcast and just for sharing your incredible birth story um especially you know this soon after i'm proud of you just to carve out this time seriously (laughs) um i'm so appreciative and i'm just really happy to hear your amazing story oh thank you so much and thank you for doing this podcast i think it's a huge piece and a lot of at least in my life it was a huge piece of learning and getting through and I hope it can be that same way for everybody else I will always recommend it to anybody I know who's pregnant because it's a part of the community again it's that support piece learning and knowing and growing with the podcast was a big part of doing what I did so thank you well (laughs) and congrats you're so sweet Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.